Guys, I just sent you a picture of a Dan Flash's ass shirt. Wow. <laughs> that is that is so unfair to Dan Flash's, but yes. Um, <laughs> but I would say the shirts in Dan Flash's in that sketch that I think you should leave, I would wear all the fuck with all those shirts. Like Those shirts are uh, the modern version of the cool samurai and dragon shirts from the year 2000. <laughs> And we have talked about those shirts before on this podcast and how awesome they are. I'm sure we, I always wish I had, I always wish I had them. Me too. I had a friend who had them. It's also the same friend that gave me a copy of Fallout 2 and changed my fucking world. Whoa. Wow, what a cool dude. He was awesome. Can someone post the Samurai Dragon shirt so I know what the fuck we're talking Let's about? Let's see. All right, all right. The Dragon. Dragon I've understood nothing of all the references you guys have said today. I've understood. <laughs> I'm O I'm for all of them. This guy hasn't seen Dan Flashes yet. Here's the, I'm going to send you a Google image search. The thing I searched, Dragon Button Up Shirts 2000s. Yeah, it's got to be like vaguely Dragon Ball, but not really. Yeah, it's like, it, it definitely was a thing I... Pretty positive these shirts were for sale at Hot Topic. Yeah, it is like I while you were studying the books, I was studying the Blade yes. two thousand. Yes, shirt. yes, 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 yes. It was a cool look. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not not really like they weren't like a cool person, but like it's kind of cool. I think it's dope. <laughs> I always thought it was dope. <laughs> I'm actually really bummed I didn't get more like Dragon Ball Z like fire Guy Fieri type shirts when yeah. I was younger. I wish I had. I was not brave enough. Uh, I feel like you should dress on the outside how you feel on the inside. And if you feel this way, you're probably pretty fucking cool. You're powerful as hell. That's for sure. Some some outfits are aspirational, though. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you wear them with confidence, the outside can become the inside. I, I want more shirts where, like, a bootleg Magic the Gathering card is on my body. Yeah, this <laughs> looks like the back of a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Yeah, right? yeah, this looks like a sleeve. Yes, it's a, it's a Yu-Gi-Oh sleeve. Oh, man, can you imagine if you rolled up to, like, a fucking magic tournament and someone's shirt matched their card sleeves? Oh, wow. my God. I wow. Would, I, I would just fold. I'd be like, you know what? You win this one. But what about, what about a mind fuck, though? You come in, right, with, like, you come in with, a like, a, a, a an Omni... Kamigawa shirt, you're all like black and white. And uh-huh. like, this motherfucker's gonna throw out some demons, some mm. demon ogres. And then you start playing a green deck, and they didn't see it coming at all. That was a classic trick with the with the sleeves, is you would use a different color than your primary color, so they would be primed <laughs> to think I you were never one color. Thought about doing that. Yep. So yeah, back back when I did magic tournaments, my thing was I would buy like the shiniest anime girl sleeves yep. I could find and yep. put my magic cards in them. Mm-hmm. I love that, Kevin. Yeah. Also, how how deep into the magic tournament scene did you get? The, in college, um, I did. I, I mean, I did pre releases pretty much, and I got pretty i did pretty well in pre-releases i never did like constructed tournaments because i didn't have money that's scary but (laughs) pre-releases are a fun like it's a little bit of a joyous celebration and also a scary tournament yeah i like drafts i still like drafting after college me and my dad would would go and do magic tournaments together um god that's so cool and (laughs) people (laughs) people would refer to us as the cole brothers Was that just because your dad was youthful looking or like <laughs> it was it was because uh we used to go to like to the store regularly and when uh-huh. they're announcing the pairings, uh me and my dad got matched against each other once <gasps> and they're like, Looks like it's the Cole brothers up against each other and they took a look at us and they're like, I guess the Cole family. <laughs> <laughs> 
who did you beat your dad? Yeah, I beat my dad. Damn. <laughs> That's how you become a man. But Buckle's no slouch at the magic table. Oh, I'm sure. Was it pretty early for him when you were doing this? Um in his he journey. started in Lorwyn Shadowmore. Um Jesus. You'll have to explain. You'll have to timestamp that for me. Oh god. I think Lorwyn um that must have been like two thousand nine. I want to say Lorwyn Shadowman. Wait, a lore wind like st- like le- like backstory on the wind. L O R W Y N Lorwyn. Okay. Oh, better. Okay. Oh, World of Warcrafty Lorwyn. Uh, Lorwyn came out in 2007. So okay, yeah. that's after uh, my time. In yeah, Pockhole pa- started in 2007. Okay. Um, God, I started with cool. Dark Steel in. Well, I started with Seventh Edition. But my first tournament was Dark Steel. Okay, I'm looking up so Seventh Edition, 2001. Okay, Dark Steel, 2004. Okay, this is kind of related to what we do for a podcast. Welcome to Goosebuds. Yeah, welcome to Goosebuds. Hello, we're, we're a bunch of we're a bunch of boys who uh, <laughs> read read books and think about the old days. And think about the, I was gonna say the good old days, but what's necessarily better back then? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say our secret power is being able to. To turn any conversation into a Magic the Gathering conversation, or Lord mm. of the Rings, or Lord of the Rings, which is or, or just dwarves. Uh, welcome to Goosebuds. Uh, <laughs> this is a podcast where we cover uh, YA books of the '90s and the 2000s. I'm one of your hosts, Chad. I'm Paul. I'm another one of your hosts, and I am Kevin. And we are now in the world of Goosebumps 2000. Yes, we have completed uh, the initial run. We have defeated the first 64, was it? defeated the first Stein, yeah. Um. <laughs> but, but Stein only rose up more powerful in the early 2000s, and as we have found in the first couple of books. It seemed like the plants aligned and gave him like a power boost. And yeah. And he's writing weirder, weirder shit? This book is w- crazy. Yeah. I, I gotta say, this was pretty good. This is pretty good. Yeah, the book we're talking about today is Creature Teacher from the Goosebumps 2000 series. Yeah, we were like hopeful about Goosebumps 2000, and there have been like some highs and lows in uh, sure. in the books we've read. Mm-hmm. But there's been a high, a low. This is so far. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to build a mythology here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I enjoyed this. Um, I. Uh-huh. Did- I didn't exactly get to read it at a leisurely pace. Yeah. I sort of crammed it before the episode. Yeah. But I I was like, this is actually good. With with this with you know many caveats though, please. With say many caveats. caveats. Okay. This sure. is a pretty good goosebumps. I think book. the first half of this book falls into a massive trap of of Steinian literature, which is yeah. letting the audience be way ahead oh of the God. main character. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes. But in the book's defense, it does halfway through finally stick you on the same level as the as the character. I got like Squid Game vibes from this book. <laughs> yo, <laughs> yo, Kevin, there was some class stuff in this. Yeah, there was some class stuff. This book has like an anti-capitalism like kind of bent about it. Ah, huh, interesting. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. We should set it up a little bit. This is a story about Paul. Paul. Paul, finally we got a Paul. Have we gotten a oh, Paul got before? Paul. I, th- I, I think so. I feel like there might have been a Paul. I, I was very, I wrote a note that just said Paul because I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, there was a Paul. I, I saw a name I recognized. <laughs> Here's a fun game. Type your name and goosebumps into Google. That's a great, that's up. a great this idea. Is like, this is like th- your name, the hedgehog on yeah. Google to see what <laughs> yes. he has. 
So Paul Perez is the first one that comes up for me. I do think this might have been the first Paul. Hmm. There's a Chad and Goosebumps the game. Okay. So not, yeah. Um, I don't think there's a Kevin in Goosebumps. No way. That's crazy. I'm only seeing like like Kevin Z- Zegers as an actor. Wow. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, yeah, we we have a Paul, uh, a Paul who at one point only one time calls himself Cool Paul. Cool Paul, which I very much appreciate, it, and I like the <laughs> it was a sarcastic Cool Paul too. Yeah, sure. It's a little self-deprecating Cool Paul. Mm-hmm. I like Wimpy Jokester Paul. He had two traits this time, guys. Uh, Wimpy Jokester Paul is Neil Schweiber from Freaks and Geeks. One hundred percent. Have you two watched that show? <laughs> Remind me which one. Neil is that the main? Geek? No. So that's the friend geek. He's the uh, the shorter, uh, oh, curly haired, curly haired geek. Um, not Martin Starr. Uh, Sam okay. Le- played by Sam Levin. So the character's traits in that show are that he is a <laughs> geek. That. He is a geek who is convinced that he is going to be a comedian slash uh, ventriloquist when he grows up, and he, unlike all the other geeks who feel like they are geeks. They feel 100% that they are rightfully uh, downtrodden upon. He feels as if he is misunderstood and that people just don't get his humor. You know you know what I mean? And hmm. this character 100% is like, why aren't people laughing at my great jokes? These are This is good stuff. I'm putting out right. all killer here, which is a constant Neil refra- refrain in Freaks and Geeks. Well, Paul, you taught me a very important comedy lesson, yes. uh, which is you don't want to apologize for your joke with a joke. No, you never never follow up good joke with another joke to try and make it a better joke. Uh, something I do all the time. <laughs> something I catch myself doing all the time. Yeah, yeah. What I'm piling on, stacking. That's that's all I know. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like doing a joke and then worrying that joke isn't funny enough. So adding oh, sure. another joke in close proximity to that joke. Right. Like sure. When in doubt, just make a single funny joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right, like you can elevate, like you know, keep a joke going. Oh, that's sure, a different sure. thing. This is yeah. like you make a joke and then you try to make an almost unrelated joke to try and make up for the fact that you think that that last joke wasn't a good joke. It it stems from like wanting to be accommodating and being like, well, if you don't like this one, here's another one coming right up for right. you. Right. Yes. You know what? I also, you know, I, I totally agree with that mentality. I'm also flashing back to all my old stand up open mic days of like. <laughs> doing a joke and bombing and then instead of me going i'm gonna try to pull myself out of this with another joke i just go and that's my time (laughs) (laughs) i I do i do 30 seconds doesn't hit go all right we're out and then then just leave that's a funny joke that's that's actually fucking hilarious yeah that's very funny (laughs) i would laugh if somebody came up on stage told (laughs) one joke no one laughed they'd be like all right bye all right cool you guys don't get it and then leave um (laughs) So Paul, so we got to distinguish between Paul, the host and good friend of ours, who's Hello. on the show. Hi, and Paul and cool Paul, Paul Perez. Cool. That makes our Paul sound like uncool. I Paul. know. I'm cooler. Uh, how about how about? Here's how you know I'm cooler than Paul Perez. I don't have to say I'm cool, Paul. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that that's, tracks. Yeah, that's right. I I was going to say I do I did come to like Paul. The first part of this. I found Paul a little annoying. Uh-huh. Paul Perez. His jokes were bad. His jokes were bad. His jokes were bad. They weren't even bad. They weren't even bad. They weren't even jokes. Like, he, like there's no. a part where his no. teacher asks him to spell Mississippi, and he says the river or the state. That's a pretty funny joke. That's not a joke. That's just a fucking question, Paul. That's like a quip. <laughs> Maybe there's a couple things in this where I wrote down early on, and I'm I'm misdiagnosing with the actual thing, but I wrote down Paul has some form of like 
ADD or hyperactive like disorder, he cannot stay focused. No, is my read on him. Yes, he is. Yes, and that and that comes into play multiple times in the story where he runs uh, off without even thinking and goes yeah. and gets himself in trouble. You know, I I think this could be a story about uh, neurodivergent people. Yeah, if. Uh, you know, more skilled writer handled it, <laughs> perhaps. Yes, because this is sort of about how, like, that idea that was very prevalent. Uh, I think in the '90s and early 2000s, that like, oh, these schools that like push their kids to the absolute limit, never give them any downtime. Like, that makes a stable, healthy person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I see. I read this as a Montessori school, but I don't. <laughs> But the caring, the caring, the academy. caring academy. Yes, I read it as yeah. that. But you're right. It could also, yes, you could. It could also be what you said, Kevin. There was just one that stood out to me. Of like, he's like what, twelve or thirteen at this point, yeah. And very quickly. Uh, and by the way, let's not jump over the fact that this prologue starts with hentai. Let's uh, the grunting <laughs> tentacle monster that never <laughs> comes back. That this this just that never comes back. It just I used to be written in a different voice than this book has ever had. Uh, if I may read an excerpt to you all, please, uh, please. Uh, <laughs> so this is, I guess, written towards you. Like you think you're safe in bed outside your bedroom window. The wind moans, rattling the glass. You don't see the slender green tendrils reaching up from under your bed glistening wetly in the moonlight from the window they reach up stretch stretch like plant vines your eyes are shut you have a smile on your face this is a good voice you're doing the second person like voice talking about stuff i i can't perceive is a really weird choice yeah no, I don't think it's ever been done in Goosebumps before, and it was strange that this was written in that way, and then not at all the rest of the book. It was strange, but it was actually kind of, like, I think this was some of the scariest writing that R.L. did. Yes! Yeah. And and sexy. And sexy. <laughs> inadvertently sexy. I, I thought it was interesting that this one starts with a prologue. I don't remember yeah. too many Goosebumps books starting with well, a prologue. And, and we are in the 2000s, so who the yep. hell knows? Maybe this is a thing that we can look forward to. Yeah, it's a strange, strange bit. And it, it I guess it serves to give us a little background on Paul, but I don't really think so. I think it just is. It doesn't connect at all. It's it, just, I didn't believe in monsters because monsters aren't real, right? Well, yeah. it's it's character it's character building. Like we need to yeah. establish what a wimp uh, Paul is, which leads into why he's such a jokester, mm-hmm. which leads into him uh like training a parrot to cuss out his teacher and uh-huh. then tripping his teacher. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that that was one of the first ones where Paul is Paul Perez, as you say, because I was gonna say Paul's a liar. I don't want to make it sound like Paul, you my friend are a liar. We're gonna we're gonna Paul stumble Perez. over that a lot this time, this episode. <laughs> Let's just call him Small Paul. Small yeah, Small Paul. Paul. Small Paul. Yeah, Small Paul. It gets in trouble early on because yeah, he brought his his pet Harold talking parrot to school. Yeah. And the parrot said, don't do your work. The teacher's a jerk. And he acts very indignant to us, the reader, of like, how was I supposed to know he was going <laughs> to say it? I didn't mean to. And it was like, Paul, you taught your, small Paul, you taught your bird to say that. And you brought him to school. And you brought you the animal to school. You're not allowed to do that. Well, yeah. Paul, <laughs> there are consequences for actions. And you're about at the age where you need to start thinking about that shit. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. he's like a kid, but at some point I'm like, don't lie to me. I am not even with you. I'm in your <laughs> mind. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. uh, and, and there was a part that I thought was, this book moves like great, right? Like very quick, by the second chapter, yeah. his parents are like, we are taking you to a boarding school to to fix you. We're going to take <laughs> right. you to scary, 
even more as an adult, knowing what some of those like scared straight places can do. Right. One um, thing, one thing that is very funny that we should mention is yes, uh, we all read the UK version of yes. this Goosebumps yes. book, which had a, a few substitutions, including oh. In, including mum for mom. mom, which I thought was very cute. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. The British yeah. spelling of cozy, C-O-S-Y, which at first, whoa, at first I was like, hold on a second. I saw that. It was the first word I saw that was different. I looked it up because I was like, wait, is this a British ghostwriter that we're dealing with right now? But it wasn't. It wasn't. We just had the UK version of the book. They spell cozy C-O-S-Y? C-O-S-Y. And apparently they don't know what lunchrooms are. They call them canteens, which is a thing that you drink your liquids from, guys. Yep. Is that not, is that not what you guys don't call them canteens? Cafeteria. Cafeteria, baby. Cafeteria. Oh, wait. Oh, he was referring. Okay, I just genuinely, my brain just skipped straight to a metal container for liquids. I didn't even think of No, that. he okay. kept going to the canteen to eat lunch. Yep, <laughs> that's true. God, Britain, Britain, what are you doing? It was, it was a strange, it was a very strange read because of that. So, admittedly, we had a little bit of a different, a different vibe going in this. Biscuits one. everywhere, color with a U, maths mm. with a plural, <laughs> maths, 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 marks instead of grades. <laughs> Godless. It. This already felt like it was going for a Harry Potter vibe, and it felt sure. even more like a Harry Potter vibe because of those little changes. <laughs> Can we talk about can we talk about the school itself and how it like I like this book a lot. The book is the school is weird. I pulled out a line in the beginning. So we were, we learned about and I do want to oh, say yes. too we talked about the grunting tentacle monster scene <laughs> and how it doesn't play into it. And Kevin, you're right. It, it it is characterization to prove why when Paul mm. goes to this school, he is not ready to believe that there truly are monsters, even though every single person around him is saying that monsters are real and this is a monster that he is seeing. I do love hearing how correct I am. That you were I, correct. I, Kevin was correct Ke- there. Not to say you're incorrect, Kevin. I do want to counter that that is a three-year-old baby boy's dream. He had this dream when he was a child. He's right. He's right. And the Ke- ten years have passed, and I'm like, what does this have anything to do with now that you are a young Jim Carrey and you want to crack jokes? Well, Chad, sounds like you don't want to confront some things that happened when you were three. In my estimation, <laughs> that, that can shape a man. We're all dealing with the echoes of the past, Chad. It's time we wise up and face them. <laughs> sorry, I, sorry, he, I had to call that out. But he and, and then he also has this great line that I thought is not anything. It's just a regular line. Uh, but in our times, it takes on an entirely new new meaning. Where he talks about being a scared child, and then he says, yeah. "I suppose that's why I became a joker." <laughs> <laughs> and I felt as if Paul had gotten Jokerified. We, we we live in a society. We live in a society, says Paul. Yeah, that's when the makeup I, begin to form on his face. <laughs> <laughs> I so the, like the setup of this by, and I really appreciate the pacing again. Is by chapter two, his parents are driving him to the Caring Academy, mm-hmm. and Paul's like, "What a what a goofy name! I bet the they're called the Caring Goody Goodies or the Caring Cuties." And he goes on to say, I was so nervous. I was bouncing in the backseat like a baby. I mm-hmm. couldn't sit still. Mm-hmm. And then very quickly looks up at the school, giant gray stone towers. Yep. Mm-hmm. And in a scary movie voice goes, if you're bad, we'll lock you in the tower. My parents ignored me. And that was, I was like, Paul has some form of uh, like, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. He just needs an outlet for all of this energy. He's a very active child, for sure. <laughs> I get, you know, when I read it, I was like annoyed by him, and now upon retrospection, I'm like, this kid's just 
he just needs to be challenged. Well, we have to. The problem is we're like sticking with him, like we're with him, and we see him acting out in these ways and not getting what he wants, the reactions that he wants, and we're like, Paul, you got to make some changes here, buddy. I love you, Paul. (laughs) I want the best for you, uh, and I just want you to make some changes that are going to be good for you. I like the ADD reading of him, though. Like that does make sense in the first bits. It doesn't really. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if it really works throughout. I don't know no. if it's really as perf- uh, a, a no. respectful portrayal of someone with ADHD. But it only serves to get him into the hot water that we need to get him into, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do love that he shows up to this school, uh, which he believes to be a school for nerds, uh, mm-hmm. because they're all they all work hard apparently. And his image, his image in his head of a school for nerds, he sees a bunch of kids hanging out in Tommy Hilfiger and the Gap clothes when he shows yeah, up. Yeah, brands. What the fuck's up with brands, all the brands in this book? Hot brand dropping. It's. I was thrown that it was a. This is clearly a board. Like you stay over school. Yeah. Without uniforms. Yeah. I thought that was very strange. In that they describe these students and they're wearing different you know, outfits and like right. cool kid fashion. I'm like, oh, so it's just. What is it, like West Coast California school? Right. Like, it's place? in it's in New England, the scariest yeah. part of the country. I know. Uh-huh. I'm, I uh-huh. live there. <laughs> I like that. With Stephen King. I do yeah. like that. It has like a. It has like an Arkham vibe to it, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and mm-hmm. even even the monster has a bit of an Arkham Lovecraftian uh, appearance to it. Oh man, I really want to get into the monster, but we do have to talk about um, Mr. Clay, the the yes. hunky dean of students. the hunky dean yeah, who just what, who only what was that yeah. about? <laughs> just he a is a little beefcake for the moms in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> He shows up like, yeah. I mean, Kevin, maybe you want, maybe you want to describe his muscles, but uh, bulging, bulging. Paul Perez shows up and he's immediately welcomed through the school. Talks about how it's kind of an old. I'm very much getting an old, classy like this is spooky Hogwarts. Yes. Uh, yep. And Mr. Clayne, the dean of students, who we never see again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Only thought about, is, and his bulging muscles thought about a couple times. <laughs> I, I I have a page here. He's described as a big, broad-shouldered man with bushy gray hair and thick, black-framed glasses hurried through the crowd. Under his woolly white sweater, he had bulging biceps and an enormous chest. He looked like a middle-aged Clark Kent. He picked up my heavy trunk in one hand and led us to my room. Take me away, Mr. Daddy Dean. Yeah, you missed the part where he could bounce a quarter off his ass. (laughs) I felt like that was really important. To be fair, I think you could bounce a quarter off of most asses. I don't think there's an ass out there that you can whip a quarter at and it just kind of stays there. No, if a, if a quarter if a quarter embeds itself in the ass, there's some serious health issues going on. Yeah, you might want to see a doctor about that, but I'm pretty sure most asses have like the bounciness to like eject a quarter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we're talking about the cheek, if we're talking about whipping a quarter. Sure. Which yeah, is, I mean, if, I it gets caught, if it gets caught in the crack, then all bets are off. If you said you could bounce a quarter a full meter off that ass, I'd be like, okay. All right. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> you're talking some distance or some height. Sure. Okay. I'd say you're throwing the quarter a little too hard at a perfectly good <laughs> ass. But... <laughs> I did like that Paul's impression of what he thought nerd kids would look like, though. He says they would all be sitting around in Beethoven shirts, which I thought was just like a very interesting thing. <laughs> To imagine a bunch of kids, like, I don't, what is this version of nerd that you're imagining? It's very unique. Well, you guys know why they didn't do uniforms at the school, right? No. Because RL doesn't know how to describe kids if he's not describing their outfit. Oh, oh shit. my like, goodness. <laughs> His character details are unfortunately yeah, more often just 
what is that character wearing? Yes. Uh, yes. Not at all their adjectives describe their personality. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If everyone's wearing the same thing, you can't describe the kids. <laughs> Fuck, he's Damn, right. Kevin, I, think you, I, think you, I think you got to the bottom of it. Wow. <laughs> all right. Yeah. But then he runs into, he, he sees all these kids and then he runs into Marv, who is the cliche nerd. Yes. And fucking Mr. Clean is like, get out of here, you freak show. Yeah, they're like, yeah, get out of here, snail. Yeah. And they're just like, he can't just chase this kid away. Yeah, he like whips him with a towel and he chases him around. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul's parents are okay with it because they're like, that guy's hot. I think people are into that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Paul, little Paul, aren't you happy you have such a hot dean of students? <laughs> he's like, he's whipping that kid with a towel. <laughs> You'll like it, Paul. This whole school is less, though, about, it's inter- I guess maybe it kind of makes sense for what they wanted for, for Paul. It seems less of an academic school and more of a, like, on the road to Hollywood fame school. Like, hmm. well, your, the first things they hit him with is like, what's your special talent? Yeah, yeah talent cool. show. Because it's all building up to this talent show. This book is really about a talent show. The talent show is the centerpiece. Yes, it's what can we exploit again? Capitalism. What what can we exploit you for, <laughs> children? Yeah, it's not enough to be a good student. We want you to dance for us. Uh, did you? All right. Let's let's get let's get into us for a second. Okay. Uh, oh, did, sure. Was there pressure from your parents uh, when you're growing up to explore extracurricular activities? A hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. What'd you guys go? What'd you guys get wrapped up in? Uh, mine was basketball, and uh, admittedly, I did want to play some. Mm. I did want to do it because pretty much I went to a Catholic school, so it was a very very small amount of students. So like ninety mm. percent of the kids played every sport. You know what I mean? Like, in order for the teams to be filled with enough children, everybody had to participate. So it was not hard. <laughs> it was not hard to be put onto a team. But I do feel like uh, I was ushered towards some sort of uh, athletics as a child, hmm. and I was bad at it. <laughs> yeah, I desperately wanted to be good at something, mm-hmm. um, oh. but I, I I didn't really know uh, what I was good at. So like, my parents tried everything. I like did soccer and i got bored of it and started picking like dandelions on the soccer field during uh-huh. the game i love that i did i tried saxophone but i hated it i tried drums and i'm just like my, like i love music but i'm not musical right so, so like trying to find like something i was conventionally good at was really hard get this kid some coding lessons come on i mean i was told i took like a coding class in high school and because i got a b they're like i don't think coding's for you what <laughs> <laughs> what it, it was just there's a window there's a window right when you're a kid like very young kid probably like up to like 14 there's a window where if you get a b on it they're like we should explore this but then if you get into that window of 14 to 18 anything beyond a they're like get the fuck out of here kid you're not meant for this failing yeah failing I went to a public school that was very much like flavored like a private school mm-hmm. where they were like if you're not like really good at something you probably shouldn't pursue it like right. don't pursue something because you like it pursue something because you're good at it yeah and uh that was kind of that kind of sucked uh because i was like well i want to program because i love video games and they're like yeah you know you should probably be really good at programming if you want to program <laughs> you couldn't possibly you know learn this skill over the next 10 15 20 years <laughs> I'll, I'll say this they'll let anyone fucking teach kids like <laughs> 
I, I mean, I, that's true for both reality and this and, book. And this book. I, um, I've had some bad teachers. Chad, what did they make? What did they make you do as a child? Um, I was pushed into pretty much every extracurricular. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to brag. I was both like simultaneously president of the student council and on the football team and wow. on the newspaper. Good guy. Wow. Doing it all. Um, and because I was this adult man size as a middle schooler, um, I was going to say the phrase passed around, but that might have the wrong connotations. I was kind of just like shifted and recruited into any sports team the school had. You had physical prowess, which not only worked in your advantage physically for sports, but also adds adds like a layer of like people have confidence in you instantly. Well, they were, yeah, I, I they, they feared that I would eat them if they didn't elect me. Um, <laughs> you were the Miss Marg of this school. Yeah, I was Miss Mark. Uh, I was still, I still have this like visceral memory of sitting in one of my English classes and I'm trying to study, I'm trying to be a good boy and learn about the MLA formatting style of writing, which is some dumb bullshit rules. And I'm aware that there is like my football coach and a gym teacher and the wrestling coach all looking all in the door window of our classroom or our closed door. And they're looking in and they're all staring at me and talking about me. And, and then, like, I'm really distracted. Like just three, three Bears fans. Just imagine that kind of yes, look of dude. I know, I know, I know exactly what you sizing mean. Sizing me up. And then salivating at the linebacker quality of your body. Yeah, and I remember them pulling me out of the class. I'm like, what's going on? And like, I remember my football coach, who was just a terrible dub coach, uh, going like, Quani, you would call me Quani. Quani, they you, uh, they want you to wrestle. You want to wrestle? And I'm like, I, I, not really. He's like, but you got to wrestle. We need a heavyweight. And then the football, and the wrestling coach was like, yeah, you should come come down to the basement after school. We'll teach you how to wrestle. <laughs> and it's just this weird, like, no, there was nothing about, like, an interest in the sport. It was just, good God, look at the size of you. You got to wrestle for us. You were like a bear that they could train to do the, the sports they wanted to, to <laughs> yes. do. Yes, totally. Chad, I have to recommend you an anime. Uh, it's called My Love Story, and it's about a giant boy who <laughs> is very good at sports and very popular with uh, his his other like male friends, but desperately okay. wants to like uh, fall in love. And, oh my god! Oh my god! Is this about me? <laughs> and 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 he gets a girlfriend, and it's very cute. Oh, well, it's not about me then. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's the escapism. Um. You got. You, it's called my love story. It's very cute and very wholesome. You would love it. I I, I will definitely check that out. Yeah. To, to pull it back into the book discussion, I think it was hitting some interesting kind of like emotional points for me in the way this school prioritized. Yeah. I guess like talent. But also the, I mean, what we're about to get into the main teacher that we deal with because Mr. Clane or Clune or whatever, mm-hmm. he's gone. He's just lifting weights in the gym the rest of the, rest of the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't get you don't get abs like that uh, teaching kids. You gotta spend some time at church. <laughs> yeah, the the teaching method of this school done through you know the villain of this book, Mrs. Mark, mm-hmm. is a very like terror fear based teaching. Yeah, like if you mess up, you're going to get punished. Uh, you have to be the best at anything. Only one person is allowed to do a certain talent per kid. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you can't be, there's two kids who want to play violin and only one can play the violin. Right. Yeah. So I think we should clarify before we get into Miss Marg's terror teaching, 
Yeah. Which is exactly where this heads to. Mr. Clean has one other thing other than to be outstandingly hot is to <laughs> is is to say the kids like to make jokes at the expense of newcomers in this school. So we're yeah. we're being primed and Paul is being primed to believe that everything he sees in the beginning of this book is not as it seems, right? Mm-hmm. And But as he finds out, things are kind of exactly as they seem. <laughs> nothing is hidden. Nothing is made to be a secret. The monsters in this book literally exclaim that they are monsters. Yep. The kids all know that they are monsters. For some reason, despite Mr. Clane knowing this, Mr. Clane being apparently right. uh, very involved with his students' lives, uh, does not pay any at- any attention to this stuff. Um, it, it is, yeah, Paul, it is the thing, I like this book a lot. My real sticking point to it is that there's this extra layer of Miss Marg is hiding that she's a monster, but from the rest of the school, mm-hmm. like the te- it's I first like, oh, well, my, my instinct reading through it was like, it's called the Carrying Academy. We're definitely going to find out at the end it's called the Scaring Academy. Uh-huh. Oh, very right? cute. I like that. That's what I thought, because why else do that whole thing? Yeah, um, yeah why not pick a better and, name that isn't weird? Yeah, but it's a human-run school, except for... The the teacher, Miss Mark, is a monster who walks around in what is described as, I saw it as like elephant feet, barefoot, pudgy elephant feet with claws coming out of her. Black claws. Distinct monster qualities. She has cow-like eyes. Cow eyes. Very scary. Very wide, lolling tongue. It's wild because this isn't even. This is like the the first like third of the book that the monster is revealed, and the monster is just around tormenting kids for the whole book. The monsters are saying, "Yeah, I am a monster. I will eat the lowest ranked kid." Yep, and she chooses the ranking. And when little Paul gets to class, there's a dummy hanging from the ceiling. Oh my yep. god! <laughs> Can we talk about the dummy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he thinks it's a kid, but it's a dummy hanging from the ceiling holding a sign that says, hang around for the talent show. Even if you know that's a dummy, that is fucked up. It's, it's, no, there's a lot of overt, again, overt threats happening. Like, even, <laughs> if, even if the teachers are oblivious, the other teachers in this school, and admittedly, a, a twist in this is that Miss Marg is the headmistress. So she does control all the other teachers. Maybe she's got some sort of blackmail that we don't see, right? We're never, that's never revealed to us. But, if one of these teachers were to poke their head into the class, which you think they would do at one point, and they saw the child hanging from a rope with this with this sign on it, like <laughs> yeah. that's fucked up. Including that, and then the pyramid of honor that the children are being put on <laughs> the food chain, the food chain, the food chain, which all the food chain with their names, which maybe you could think that that was some sort of like way encouragement for the kids or something like that, but I'm pretty sure it just says food chain and then it shows the kids in a pyramid order but that's that's the gold star uh right si- like system like that is what we put like like kindergartners through right like, from the very start of like american schooling right we put kids in a hierarchy mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fucked up it's such a great like this is actually a pretty like good commentary on a thing like a child should care about and mm-hmm. i love that all the threats are super overt because I don't know. It, it feels kind of like kid powery, where like it does a little bit. It does a little bit. I think the problem with that, Kevin, I agree with you. Yeah, is just mm-hmm. that is just that we are forced because of a a, <laughs> a false sense of building up mystery. We are kind of forced to be ahead of Paul. Like we're we're not forced to be ahead of him, but 
but RL does not a good job of making us feel any semblance of mystery. It's so easy and obvious to see what's happening. And he's trying to make us be with Paul behind it all. And we're not. I don't know. Maybe maybe as a kid, I would have been. No, I don't know. We are way. I think even as a kid. I mean, I kept thinking about how like you as a kid, the first thing you see is the book cover. Yeah. Right. Not to judge a book by its cover, but you're seeing Mm -hmm. a monstrous Mrs. Marg on the cover. You know that's what you're getting. Right. I'll argue why that's good. I mean, that's like tension is when there's a bomb under the table and the audience knows, but the characters don't. Like, sure, sure. I know what you're saying. I, I would, I would argue that uh, even though, like, we see all this stuff that is obviously very, <laughs> really ha- happening, it, you know, it, it, there's still some doubt in your mind that, like, well, maybe we're misunderstanding it because, you know, the, we had a dream sequence at the beginning, and we didn't, and reality wasn't as it was presented there. Mm-hmm. So but this is. This is bomb under the table. If in the hypothetical scene that Hitchcock always talked about, the bartender in that scene or whatever is like bomb under the table. Anyone want to bomb under the table? And then the people at the table just ignoring it and continuing to talk. Right, being like, probably not a bomb. Probably just making the bomb up. Which sounds pretty funny to me. (laughs) Sounds pretty funny. Like every kid in this school. I appreciate it because they were kind of just like much more playing their cards out open. You know, when he first gets there, Molly or one of the girls is is immediately like, get out of here. Get out of here. It's bad. Yeah. Every kid in the classroom is terrified and like, don't move. She's going to get really mad at you. She's a beast. And then she's like, Mark's like, I'm a monster. And but she's here's the thing. Clearly a monster. And here's the thing, too. Molly says, get out of here. But then later in the book explains, oh, you can't get out of here, though. Like, you know what I mean? True. Like, there's like this, like, get, there's like this, get out while you still can, but there's no, oh, I guess she does say your parents might still be here. So there is that. I think it's like, if your parents are still in the car. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I love that Molly is the secret villain of this story. Uh-huh. Not even That's the great. secret villain, like, because it's very obvious that she's the one sabotaging the other kids. I didn't fall for it. I didn't get it. What do you mean you didn't get it? I, I mean, I actually liked that turn because I, I, this is me just probably reading this early in the morning, but like, I thought somehow it was Marv. Um, the son doing it. They set you up to think it's Marv, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I actually fell for it because it was enough of a like, Goosebumps doesn't do pretty subtle twists very often. I think it's usually like pretty, it's either like a twist out of nowhere with anything to set it up or a, yeah, we see it coming from a mile away. Right. The, t- the monster is saying they're a monster and we're waiting for, for Paul to catch up. I, uh, we're jumping a little bit ahead, but yeah, I, I did not see it being Molly. I thought that was, that was smart. There's some pretty yeah. hilarious scenes too, where Marv is set up to be the, tr- the traitor, so to speak. Yeah. Like like the throwing of the fudge, which we will get to. Uh, <laughs> the throwing of the fudge. Um, but but I I, I I like what you were saying, Kevin. I did want to real quick loop back to, despite all that stuff I was saying, I do think that this does do a good job. Besides not doing a bad job of making us empathize, I think, with Paul, I think it does do a good job of doing what you're saying, which is pointing out the kind of horrors of the American education system, right? I really I really think that's what this book is all about. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. 
it's kind of wild that he sticks to that. He sticks to it. He pits. He, the kids are all pitted against each other, which I think is really like a cool idea. It's like a very battle royale situation where they're like kind of working together, but ultimately they're all enemies, right? Yeah, because the system makes them enemies. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's very cool. And Molly's turn is very like it, you can't be mad at Molly because you're like, well, you're just trying to live, Molly. Like, yeah. like all of us are, you know? Yeah, and the fact that, like, um, Molly and Brad are pitted against each other because they're both violin players. Yeah. And the teacher, uh, Miss Marg, uh, rather arbitrarily decides there can only be one mm-hmm. violin player. If you're she not gets a- bored if she has to hear two violins. Right. Yeah. Play. Yeah. All yeah. of Miss Marg's choices are arbitrary in this book, too. It's also wild that um, the talent show has to be your solo talent, no collaborations with anybody. It Damn. has to be about yeah. your own fucking individualism, not about your ability to organize or cooperate mm-hmm. like the the fact that all these kids are isolated in their in their like studying because of the food chain like they can't help each other study because they don't want to help someone above them and and thus sink lower in the food chain right. like but i do I think know, it's funny yeah. i do think it's funny that molly does help paul a lot like paul never has an original idea of how to get out of any of his problems <laughs> he's given all of his answers by the people around him and he just follows along and goes with them but it turns out that molly is leading him into the uh, seemingly leading him into the traps that she will lie I for wondered. him yeah, Paul, I, I wondered, you know, upon retrospection of like, I thought Molly was helping Paul because she was somewhat secured. And then as as her role is falling farther and farther, yeah, um, you realize she's at the bottom of the list. There is there's times where even when she was helping, I don't know if it was a good idea. So <laughs> to, to really clarify it out, it is uh, Miss Mark makes it very clear that if you are on the bottom of the food chain, this l- list of, of note cards on the wall, uh, she is going to eat. The person at the bottom. Yep. yep. At the end of the at the end of the talent show, she's yep. going to eat that person. Yeah. Um, and she's making her intentions as a monster very clear. And then the first time you meet her, she licks Paul's arm and says, yep. "Taste great." And she, and she she mutters under her breath, "Tasty, tasty." <laughs> Paul, she's a monster, and she says, "I am a monster" multiple times. <laughs> I am a monster. I at this point, I was expecting her just to have like sharp shark teeth. Maybe that's because what the cover was drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and this talent show is you have to have a cool talent. It's not about your academic performance. I mean, I guess it is. They keep mentioning that tests every once in a while come. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so Paul's like, what do I do? Should I tell jokes? And they're like, no, don't do jokes. You should do balloon animals. It, all right. Is is this residual clown energy from Bride of the Living Dummy? <laughs> like, what 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 does RL think a performance is? <laughs> One kid read Hamlet. Oh, and- that, yeah. Uh-huh. And it was moving. And Paul's like, I could tell jokes. And they're like, yeah. Or you could tell jokes and do balloon animals. It's like, what? where does... I, I'm i just frustrated that like he goes this hard with the clown energy again in this book. Maybe RL wanted to be a clown. I, you know, I, I, maybe. That could be very true. I do think RL had some things right. The Hamlet thing was weird. I don't think any kid would choose to read Hamlet as their... Uh, as they their... would if they were trying to impress their teacher to not die. That's true. That's true. But another girl I, does yeah. does my favorite things, which I think is a very on-trend kid song. Like That's a song that many kids would do in school. You know what it's I mean? It's a good one for old... Also, I think to, to impress the olds, <laughs> yeah. dudes from The Sound of Music would be... Very, I, the Hamlet one actually felt like very on on brand in that um, 
in one of my English classes, uh, they kept, I kept coming back to it when I was reading this book. Mm-hmm. And that I had my senior year, my AP English teacher, I thought was absolutely terrible at her job. She oh, was yeah. lauded as like the top of the English department. And, yeah. And her main things I remember were making us all learn a monologue from Hamlet, you know, or like out, out damn spot. And Macbeth. that was a major part of our grade. I was like, what does this have to do with my like understanding of English literature? The fact that I can memorize and perform it has nothing to do with my understanding of the text. Like, I guess. yeah, like, yeah, like actually like uh, in taking it in and processing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I also, I dropped my AP English because I was like, you know, fuck this. <laughs> I don't want well, to you, do it. You, I, maybe the right call. I, I was at some point. I was like, "Well, I'll do it for college," and then the credits didn't transfer anyway, so I should have just hung out in like honors English. But honors English was great. We got to read Frankenstein. That sounds a blast. What I I have this whole like axe to grind about my English education, which was my favorite subject. But I found in high school that it was very much more kind of like Mrs. Marg. It was this arbitrary opinion thing. It was it was never about like read the text and then argue your point it was agree with the teacher one of them was very clearly you always had to say that it was a christ analogy right yeah every time well not to get up on my fucking soapbox but that's academia dude yeah there has they need a (laughs) they need a right answer right yeah yeah but but it should be like critical thinking skills or even if i disagree with your interpretation of the text like you argued it well yeah but are critical thinking skills important things to teach to uh people that you want to become good capitalist wage slaves damn. right damn we're getting real okay so like these kids are uh struggling hard like here's the here's the thing that makes me feel sad because i saw kids like this uh at my school who were like do like playing violin and like filling up their schedule and like getting straight a's and like trying to be trying to be like the best like little uh college academic person they could possibly be right and i'm like so you're just going to do this so you get a job where you have to, like, work this hard all the fucking time and, like, mm-hmm. be this competitive all the fucking time. Like, there's no, like, maybe one day you'll die. But there's no, if this is how, like, you're building your life, like, there's no end for you. Right, right. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast and you're in high school, first off, props to you. You're a, you're a cool high schooler. Second, tell your English teacher to flip off your, your tit. <laughs> I do want to say something. I do want to say something. I, there are a lot of English teachers that need to flip off your tit. But I've had some. I've had some great English teachers. Yeah, I was just gonna say like, and I've said the thing about like critical thinking skills not being important. There are many teachers that do try and develop kids' critical thinking skills, sure. almost contrary to the system that they are working within. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? The general mm-hmm. system of education is against that idea, right? But it almost, it's almost as if the inverse of what we're seeing, like Miss Morrigan, this story is sort of the is a representation of what the educational system is like. And Mr. Klain is sort of the opposite, right? Where he is just trying to he's trying to be like, hey, what are you good at? Like figure yeah. figure out what you're good at and follow it. You know, find that passion. It's fucked up that this book is like getting us to have deep conversations about American school system. <laughs> By the way, if you are listening to this and you're in high school, consider community college. It's sort of it's a very affordable option uh and yeah. it'll probably be pretty helpful. Yeah, and you probably don't have your uh special skill yet that will save you from being at the bottom of the food pyramid where you get eaten. So you'll figure that out later and it's okay. So don't pay for a state school tuition if you're in gonna be in Zoom classes. What the hell's going on? All right, <laughs> uh, what what is what are they doing? I just need 
If you're 18, I need you to understand how much $10,000 is. Because I didn't know how much $10,000 <laughs> yeah. was yeah. when I was 18. Yep. And you're going to be paying more than $10,000. You're going to be paying multiple tens of thousands of dollars. Do not do it. You can pretty much everything you want to learn, you can learn on your own or you can learn very cheaply somewhere. You have the internet, dudes. You'll be able to kiss a girl at a community college party. Don't worry. There are um, very good parties everywhere. Uh, let me say this, though. Um, did you guys... So in the back of Miss Mark's class, while she's talking about the the food pyramid and kind of laying it out to Paul, there are mm. cages of animals. I was convinced this was a lot of the lobster situation where the kids yep. were going to be turned into animals. I was convinced. <laughs> but then it turned out to be something kind of cooler. Uh, yeah. Where like the caged animals are actually a clock counting mm-hmm. down. To Marg eating somebody. I loved that idea. It so, needed a third beat, but I loved it. So, yeah, it did need a third beat. It desperately needed a third beat. I felt like this book was like, maybe if they pushed the deadline out a month, it could have been excellent. Right. Like, pure, excellent, like, top to bottom. But the fact that, like, the uh, class animals are on display and they're being eaten one by one by Marg until she works her way up to the bottom of the food chain for of mm-hmm. humans. I thought that was great yeah very scary i I love that too i i and i think it's interesting that this is probably what a third of the way through the book miss mark has made her intentions very clear Mm -hmm. she is outright saying like i'm probably going to eat you kid you seem to be the worst out all of this and it's not until he comes in like oh mrs mark i have a question and he sees her biting a mouse's head off yeah that was fucked up that was amazing mm -hmm. it's fucked up and then she bites the head off, so I guess that was just like popping the top off a bottle. Yeah. Spits the head back out and then puts it on a cracker to re-eat it, which yes. I think is a little bit uh, extra. I think the most fucked up part is that the mouse just accepts it. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't know. There's yeah. no squeak out of the mouse. There's no, like, resistance. It's just like, yeah, this might as well happen. I've been beaten down as far uh-huh. as a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a mouse, and then later on a rabbit is eaten. Yeah, but we don't see the rabbit being eaten. We just see its fluffy, like, cotton tail left. Just laying there. The disgusting viscera left over from it. (laughs) I did did take uh, exception with she eats the raw... Uh, mouse before the kid yeah. and then later in the book she talks when she's going to go eat Paul she says I don't eat my meat raw but we literally saw her eat raw yeah meat. yeah if, if Paul had come in and saw her just like cooking up a little 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 tiny little steak on a hot plate yeah like a little hot plate or Bunsen burner out and she's just sitting there cooking it <laughs> that would have been nice if she said I don't eat my meat raw and Lil Paul had just come out and said I have anecdotal evidence that proves you do <laughs> I would have loved that. Please, Paul, you're smart. You're proven to be a smart aleck. You should have done it. I almost want us to like get the license to punch up this book because yes. I do think it's yes. it's got it's got legs. It's got potential. I would love if if we could punch up this script a little bit because yeah, Paul could be really funny. It really kicks into gear once Paul finally just gets past his denial of mm. this being a monster situation, and it's like, okay, the monster's real. I need to survive this test amongst these other kids. We're all in this hellish Harry Potter type situation where we're in this this school and we're we're trying to fight to not be on the bottom. We're in basically a battle royale situation. And that's when the book ultimately is just a series of the kids being living within the uncaring and <laughs> illogical system which with, with which Miss Marg uh, has set up within the classroom because she has rules somewhat which the only rule is eat or be eaten. 
right? Mm-hmm. And other mm-hmm. than that, everything else is arbitrary because we see the kids appealing to her multiple times through doing extra projects, trying yeah. different vocations and different uh, skills. And it really comes down to whether Miss Marg is feeling it at that moment. Because there's a point where, where yeah. Molly does a beautiful violin concerto. And yeah. and then uh, she's like, and she's like, okay, you're going to be the violin person in the, the school uh, show. And then Molly's like, well, should I move up the pyramid? And she's like, nah. And then yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, because Molly tried to escape once, and and mm-hmm. Mark hates her because she did that, or yep. Mark just has like a, a vendetta against her. I really want to talk about the extra credit project because uh-huh. this is <laughs> the hardest I've ever laughed at a Goosebumps book. Please, okay. Kevin, explain. Okay. okay, so a few chapters. I feel like a chapter or two is devoted to. Uh, Lil Paul trying to like boost up his rank uh, in in the food chain by doing an extra credit project and Molly sets him up for failure. She's like, make a model of this really complex molecule out of like Tinker Toys or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like cotton balls and 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 like pipe cleaners or something. Yeah, um, like cl- yeah. the classic balls. Classic. Did you see like, what molecule he's they're making? It doesn't, and it's like uh, the it's, yeah, they're like classic like styrofoam ball molecules, right? Yeah, and so he's working like a dog, putting this molecule he clearly doesn't <laughs> understand together, and he leaves it alone for a, like a second, and then he's like, "All right, time to show Miss Marg my molecule. See if I can bump up one." in the food chain and not be eaten. Mm-hmm. And he goes into Miss Mark with the molecule in a box and he's like, take a look at this shit. It is great. And when he reveals it, <laughs> the molecule has been rearranged into a pair of words in all capitals. You ugly. You ugly. <laughs> you ugly. <laughs> Funniest fucking shit. It's in pretty the incredible. World. It's pretty incredible. It's a great moment. I know this is basically like an unfilmable episode mm-hmm. by by the budget standards of uh the the Goosebumps uh series. Uh-huh. But I would fucking die to see that reveal. In, Imagine in the, show. the triple take of Paul going, "What? What? what? <laughs> <laughs> Oh it's, my God. it's incredible, and I love the follow-up scene. It's very similar because we didn't get to talk about the the fudge throwing scene. He oh, goes yeah. back. He goes back after the "you ugly" happens, realizing yeah. he's been he's been screwed by what what he thinks is Marv, the son. We find out of Miss Marg. Yeah, uh, Marv Marg. Marv Marg, and he yeah. goes into his room and bangs against the wall and goes, "Why me?" <laughs> Which I think again would be another great scene to just film like yeah. this like extremely melodramatic scene of a child screaming why me <laughs> yeah. very cliche very very melodramatic but prior to this we have marv who um paul sits down with on the first day of school and has lunch with not knowing that he is the the son of miss marg the monster's mm. teacher and spills the beans about how how big of a monster she is and how terrible she is to which he finds out later that he is that marv is her son freaks out that he that she is going to hate him even worse because of that which leads him to the uh the mouse eating scene but marv keeps like making overtures to paul uh yeah. giving him things and one of the greatest things he gives them is just a large chunk of fudge yeah uh, to which uh <laughs> paul gets very angry at one point i think it's after he uh tries to do his balloon animal scene 
uh, mm-hmm. his balloon animal stand-up routine, and he just uh, angrily throws the fudge out of the window. Love it. And <laughs> yeah, Marv is like, this is my special friendship fudge. I only make it for friends. Yeah, and he goes, I read that as I'm trying to fadden you up for my mom. Exactly, uh, that's, exactly. And that's how Paul. That's how little Paul reads it as well. Do we? Do we skip over the first? The first, besides when you see Marv being, you know, shooed away by handsome, handsome bear teacher. Uh, yeah. I I thought this was the most like endearing thing a Goosebumps protagonist has done in a while. First lunch period uh, that Paul has, he goes and sits with Marv. And actually listens to him, and it seems like Molly is waving him away, like, come sit with us. Right. We'll realize in a moment that she's just trying to warn him. But he actually wants to talk to Marv and get to know him, and I guess find some more stuff about Miss Marv. So he's being smart and sympathetic. Right. Yeah. And a twist that genuinely got me was, at the end, Molly is like, what are you doing? Why are you complaining about Miss Marv to him? That's Miss Marv's son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was a genuine, like, oh, cool. I guess because he didn't have monster traits, you wouldn't pick up on that. But mm-hmm. that is a nice twist. Yeah, that of... was a good. That was a good little twist. Uh, and it's funny because uh, you're right. He is being empathetic and kind of he's he's both gaining information and being po- kind at the same time. Something that is possible. And yep, it ends up working in his favor because he is empathetic. So we do find out that Marv this whole time, all the red herrings of him seemingly fattening trying to fatten paul up for his mom were actually him making overtures of friendship towards paul which is revealed at the end after the molly reveal that she has been the one that has been screwing paul over this entire time in an effort to remain higher above him on the food pyramid marv has been trying to help him and marv does offer paul some actual he gives him a reward for being a good kid at the beginning of it, only to to uh subvert that at the end of the book for a a cheap scare every, every goosebumps book has to end with, and then the main character died. It has to always end with that. Yes. Um, it, it's more, and then the main character died? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I guess you don't, don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, um, to, like, just briefly, some very quick plot points that happen in between um, You Ugly and the end. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Mrs. Marg begins calling Paul lunch meat. Oh, that's yes. right. That's well, right. Was that the last one? Yeah, he fucks up so bad. She goes, "You're not even on the food chain. You're now. You're, you're on." She throws yeah. him on the ground. She throws his cart on the ground. Starts stomping on it with her monstrous feet and going, <laughs> yeah. "You're lunch meat. Your name is lunch meat now." Yep. And Paul tries to escape. He runs out uh, the cafeteria door into the rain. Mm-hmm. Molly stops him, saying, "There's an invisible fence around yep. the school." Oh. Oh we, my god! Oh my god! Yes. And then yes. We, there's there's a yeah. Keep going. I've got something to say about this scene. <laughs> we later learn that's a fucking lie. That's and a he lie. Was home free. Here's the thing about Paul. Paul <laughs> is a he's got some issues that like with with attention, uh, you know, and stuff like that, and like being able to stay on on task. But he is a hard fucking worker. He will yep. work his ass off, which we've has proven multiple times. He tries very hard it, with multiple tasks, and he does succeed through his hard work to to get the to get the thing done that he's trying to get done, only to be screwed by Molly. Molly, without him yeah. knowing. Um, so he's a hard worker, but he's also a extreme follower. And when he so runs, so gullible, gullible, he's very gullible. Even though he thinks that he is the least gullible person, thinks he understands everything. He's incredibly gullible because in this moment where he runs away and Molly tells him about the electric fence, she goes, 
you have to go back to school. Your parents are here. This is not a lie. Molly is telling the truth. Your parents are here, and you can probably get them to listen to you right now and 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 figure this out. But you shouldn't go back all rainy and covered in mud. They won't they won't listen to a word you say. Right. To which Paul says, "Yeah, that makes perfect sense." <laughs> what does that fucking make any sense? How does that make any sense, Paul? But they also don't listen to him because his main play is just saying over. I wrote this in my notes. His main thing is just. Miss Marg's a monster. Miss Marg's a monster. I'm like, say anything else. Right. But say say she's threatened you with violence. Say you don't feel safe here. Like anything to get your parents to, say, to listen to you. Say she licked your arm yeah. on say she <laughs> Yeah, not even into dark shit. Just say like she bad touched me. There's right. a hanging child in the school. I don't feel safe here. Right. Take like, her take him to the classroom. <laughs> Talk to any other kid, not Molly, because Molly, I guess, will throw him under the bus. But like, but anyone else. Here are the two like super dark turns in the book that I really wanted us to talk about. Yeah. yeah. One, Molly brings uh, Paul back instead of escaping with him, which mm-hmm. I thought was very wild. Mm-hmm. Molly brings Paul back because she doesn't want to be the new bottom of the food chain right. and right. get eaten. So that's pretty dark. Yep. Two, yeah. Miss Marg now has a story she can put together to explain yes. the absence of Paul because she can say Paul ran away again. Yeah. She says to the teacher, like, if he, if he ran away into this woods, I don't know if we'd ever find him. Yep. Yeah. And it dark that is as one shit. of the smartest things that Goosebumps, like, any of these camps, any of these sleepover stories have always been, like, yeah, but like once this all goes through, how do the parents not start to connect the dots that like the last thing they did was drop them off here? Right. Uh, I really appreciate that detail, Kevin. Well, it was great, and I, I, yeah. and it was super dark. I might have mouthed the words "oh shit" to my cat at that point, <laughs> <laughs> and your cat just nodded along like, "Yeah, he's in some fucked up shit." I, can I also call that I I was falling for this more because of previous like mistakes that goosebumps had done in the past uh-huh. the the electrical fence thing it drives me crazy when i read something about electrical fence working that way and that's not how it works mm-hmm. uh, but that was covered but, up by the fact that there was no electrical well fence. there was no right. but i be- i believed in that moment when molly said you can't keep going there's electrical fence you'll get hurt i went i believe molly because in previous goosebump books i believe it was um, the one with the blue slime monster. Was yes. it Monster Blood? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it was Monster Blood. Yeah, I think it was Monster Blood Four. Monster Blood Four, where it has they're not Monster Blood or anything. The weird slime things. There's mm-hmm. a scene where the protagonist like corrals these things against the invisible fence for the dog, and they splatter and are electrocuted despite not having the, the, collars, the collars that are supposed right. to shock you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like RL wrote that as, oh, it is a magical force field that just hurts you. Yeah, and so I was like, "Oh yeah, that's true. That's probably how in this. That's not. That's not right. But that's in this world. That's how the electrical fence works. Mm-hmm. I believe Molly. Um, so, it actually somehow made it better. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I think it's great as a lie. Uh, that would probably bug the shit out of me if it was like canon. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about the end. Um, yes, and uh, we've we've already kind of given you the broad strokes about how things have been resolved, but the way. Miss Marg is defeated is that Marv, because Marv no. is friends with um with Paul, uh, Marv is like, well, if you make her laugh, she'll fall asleep for six months to a year. Mm-hmm. Uh that's all you have to do is make her laugh. Right. 
And I was like, this is amazing. Right. The, 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 the comedic kid, the self-styled comedian is going to get to use his skills to win, right? Yeah. Like, how good is that? That, like, the a trait of the character that has been, like, like uh, repeatedly brought up throughout the book now comes full circle and is actually useful. It's like, oh, guess what? We this kid has a skill that can't be measured with academic, like with academics. Mm-hmm. Like this, this kid has something that can't be taught that he's been uh, trying to express that our school rejects, but it's ultimately going to be what saves his life. Right. And yet, and yet the way he makes this Marg laugh is by tickling oh. her gross feet. And while that is annoying uh, <laughs> in the sense that it doesn't, it doesn't satisfy us at, in the character Anything. in the character state. I will say it's a gross scene, and I think that is ultimately yep. what what RL wants to do here, right? Is grossed you out? Yeah, I would have I would have at least appreciated uh, Paul getting to take a couple swings at the mic. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, he he. It it happened so quick. It kind of this is it, this is a great book. Honestly, one of my favorite Goosebump books. It kind of at the end feels like it just wants to get out of there very quick. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. Rapid Fire Marv is like, I have secretly been your friend. I'll tell you the, the magical the magical Deus Ex Machina plot of like a monster if he laughs goes to sleep for six months. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Fine. Whatever. That doesn't even track logically, but sure. Um and I wanted like Paul immediately just when he's cornered by her, just immediately like bows, right? Like I think he just either he knew it or not, but I just want to like try a couple jokes, right? Like I, I like how it makes sense now why Paul would be targeted by Marg if he is like a burgeoning comedian. Like oh. that's a threat to Marg. Mm-hmm. It'd be it'd be really cool if like they foreshadowed that a little bit by making her be like, no, no comedy routines. Like, uh-huh, right. Like that would be kind of good. If she had responded particularly great, to the that's, jokes. That's yeah. a great rewrite because you could do that in the beginning, have her shoot him down, and then you could still have him do the thing he does, which is suggested by the other kids around him, which is he yeah. start is he does a balloon a balloon routine. And yeah. which he which he does try to do and inadvertently creates a comedic act out of his almost like slapstick stylings because it's failing for him, right? That would have been great if like she started laughing there and we saw it weaken her a little bit, you know, uh-huh. you know what I mean? And then have it fail ultimately. Like he doesn't full, it doesn't fully go through. She doesn't fall asleep and hibernate or she stops it maybe before that can happen. And then like you're saying, try one more time and then maybe yeah. have it succeed at the end. That's a great rewrite. I think that's a, another, like another to your point of if this had another month and maybe a couple of yeah. round of edits, you could have yeah. gotten that and really cleaned up that little that little uh story circle or story I, the, the... I, I love that that's yeah i think it's fantastic that sort of like hiding underneath this ending is a little like moral that is the two biggest weapons against oppression are laughter and kindness mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's not that's pretty good rl i'd expand on that like I'd expand on that. it's already better than most books where yeah. there's not really an arc or anything it's just kid going whoa no one believes me yeah and and i think that i think that he only serves to harm what he, what was a very good point by having to have that cliffhanger ending which i yeah. guess is fine you know i it, Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This is, I shouldn't say this because the whole point of our show is to critique these books. Uh, but I will give him a pass. 
It's fine. They're for kids. You need to have that so that the kid finishes the book and goes, ooh, creepy, and then wants to read another one. I get but, that. But, like, I hope, I hope uh, you know, uh, RL and our other listeners understand that <laughs> These criticisms are like these punch ups. These are different from most of the critiques we like level at these books, like because there is actually something really good here Mm -hmm. uh, and I want to see more of it like this. This feels like like it could be something awesome and I want to see it. This isn't like you fucked up from the start, dude. Right. (laughs) You had all the ingredients and pieces there. It feels like you just maybe put them in the wrong order or mixed up a little bit what you're what they were doing but i'm not even like mad about that i'm just like oh you're so close man like i'm rooting for rl with this one like i'm i'm really like almost proud of him for writing a book like this (laughs) i can't totally get it's like look at you building up a character arc that starts at a place and then it pays off at the end that's fun Uh i'm like you're so close man i'm i'm pulling for you like you can do this And, you know, he fell a little short. Uh, he fell, like, back into his old habits of, mm-hmm. like, you know, having to have a punchline at the end of the book. Like, not really respecting, like, what the main character's arc is. Like, but it's, it's again, it's, like, one month away from, like, a really good story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, and he did revisit Miss Marg in Goosebumps oh, Most what? Wanted. So that we will get another... Another crack at at the at the idea Shit. of Miss Mark. All right, I'm putting Miss Mark up there in the in the pantheon of good Goosebumps monsters. Yeah, I, I like her. I would say like there are books that have a better vibe. Um, yes, like uh, Haunted School, I think has a better vibe. Yeah, it's a scarier, uh, and a better book. aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But this is probably the best written uh, Goosebumps book. I feel. Like there, there was there was a I was on my eye. I was like, is this a different writer? There was a couple trademark signature let out a low O moans in here. Yep. There's some um, sour. There's no landing cards. Though. There's no there, he doesn't land hard on his hands. And, or what is it? Uh, no, Miss Marg does, though. No, the, does she the land first hard? teacher. No, the, sorry. The teacher from the first school does. Yeah. Oh, she does land hard. I she think does. Right. Uh, I he lands. He lands hard on his back. He when he's when he's running away in the rain, back. he slides and falls onto his back, which is a different type of landing than the kids. I thought that was all. All foreshadowing for the ending of Kevin. I love your your pitch and what you and Paul are are, mm. are breaking. I think mm. what I thought was going to go before the tickling thing was oh he's going to try his his quick one liners they're not working and then because he's a klutz he's going to realize that physical comedy he's a he's a Chevy Chase not very <laughs> yes. good with not as good with the one liners as he thinks he is where you let him fall down some stairs comical Holy well, that, and shit, that was dude. that was gonna destroy that Ms. Fi- that fits in because see what i thought he was gonna do was start telling and he couldn't really do this but start telling some mean-spirited monstrous type jokes <laughs> you know what i mean it becomes an insult comic it becomes an insult yes. comic i kind of thought that's where he was headed you could totally make him go like down these different like comedy routes like him trying everything yes, yes. Like, uh-huh because the prop, the prop comedy kind of works, but it works because it's sort of physical comedy, and that he's trying to blow it up, and it keeps like like deflating in front of his face and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I thought that scene was actually pretty funny. Yeah, like, that was the funniest I, he was in the whole when he's trying to recover from the uh, sabotage <laughs> balloon animals. And yeah, he's like, oh, this one's not fully up to snuff or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. yeah, not not bad, not bad. Not a bad this scene. Is a good, this is a good Goosebumps book, this all is things a good, considered. This is a good Goosebumps book. Agreed. Uh, I think, considered. again, I, I do think that um, 
I think that we could have just gotten into knowing having Paul know what's going on. I think he could have. You yeah. think he could have started right from the beginning trying to get out because he ultimately he only spends a couple chapters not knowing that she's a monster. And like, do we really need those? You know, like we could probably could have had like we probably could have had him admit that she was a monster pretty quickly, and then had um, a couple scares based around him trying to, uh, you know, talk to Mister Clean and like other things, and have and have him be, you know, you know, the classic goosebumps like futility of the child trying to get. I would have loved. We, we talked about earlier how it needed like a third beat of moving up the chain because it's just a, a mouse and a rabbit. I really would have loved a return to Mister Clane. Of like, I need to talk to him. He's a strong man. He'll yeah. take care of me. Mm-hmm. And he goes in there, and Miss Marg is eating him. Oh, <laughs> instant like, human eat. Oh wow, human eat or whatever. You're right, or some. I know that kind of breaks the <laughs> food chain sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But like, right. some the 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 we only real weaknesses of this book, like you said, Paul, are waiting for for Paul to catch up to the rest of the story. And a little bit of like, because the premise of this was a school where no one else knew there was a teacher having to kind of explain logically where it was. It was like, just let it be a school with monster teachers. Fucking I, fine. I want Molly to go even further in the heel direction. Um, yeah, yeah, she was she was kind of given a little bit of like a, a she was like, she got a mea culpa at the end, right? Yeah. What I want is for her to be like, well, Caring Academy is an excellent school and like I want I want to rise above my station. So yeah, I'm fine as long as you get eaten. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna go on and do great things. Like I want her to buy in to the system and right, like, right. Be- become like an apologist for it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's not great we eat kids, but Caring Academy does have, you know, the highest admittance to Harvard. So uh, <laughs> Yes, yes. I'm with you. That would have been a great I, I yeah, she like wears it with pride. Like I survived. I I dealt with monsters, and now I'm gonna be the president someday. Again, if we're doing a little squid gamey, right? Like one, yeah. like she she's been turned by the the system has corrupted her. Right. I would love that. Exactly. Or or even do the the squid game. Yeah, you're free to go, but guess what? Your parents aren't gonna pick you up. Like they kind of mm-hmm. did that with um with Paul's parents being like, be like, nah, they don't care. Or or even do Paul's parents being like. So we're we're told that you know Miss Marg is a monster and she's going to eat the lowest uh, scoring member of the class, and we're wondering why you're scoring so low. Uh huh. <laughs> it seems like Miss Marg is doing everything to motivate you, and you're just not responding. Uh huh. <laughs> At this point, the parents, if the parents revealed that they knew, oh my god, that'd be fantastic. They're like, yeah, we hope it would motivate you because nothing else seems to work, and you know you're not going to embarrass this family. Like we, <laughs> it, you know, I. If it if it comes to it, like and you get eaten, well, maybe we'll have a new kid. <laughs> <laughs> We're still young. We can do it. We can start over. <laughs> We've had sex once. We'll do it again. <laughs> I am a president. <laughs> uh, that's. I think that's been a. It's been a goose butts. That's been a goose butts. We butted, baby. Uh, it's a, uh, if you enjoyed this episode and want to listen more, we have a deep, extensive archive online. We also, if you haven't noticed, are finally been updating our YouTube page. Thank you so much to the works of Paul and Kevin for doing that. Uh, this it was mostly was, Paul. Oh, it was very much Paul. <laughs> uh, fi- thank you only. Thank you only, Paul. Yeah, I will Paul. accept the entire thanks. Thank you, Big Paul. Yeah, no <laughs> thanks to Little Paul. No thanks to Little Paul. He did no not thanks help. No thanks to Little Paul. Paul. He just gave snide jokes that did not help anything. <laughs> uh shout out to the youtube channel that was uploading our episodes on our behalf for us for a while we appreciate it 
We 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 got it under control. So thank you very much, uh, Goosebuds Unofficial. But yeah. you can go to youtube.com slash goosebudspod and catch up on old episodes. And a lot of the comments are, this is a great episode. I didn't realize they were still doing this show. Yeah. To people who are only listening to on YouTube. Yeah, we got a lot coming, and I and I do want I do want to say thank you. Uh, also, I want to say thank you to Goosebuds Unofficial because that was super nice of yeah. you to take the time and effort to upload those episodes and to put on there when we started to re-upload that you would take the episodes down. I think that was just such a thoughtful and uh, like uh, beyond the effort that even was needed and the thoughtfulness that yeah. was needed. Like th- a lot went into that. Very, very appreciated. Very sweet. And, uh, you know, just again, a lot of uh, a huge thanks for that. Yeah. Thanks for covering for us. And yeah. um, I, I feel like interested. We're doing like a couple episodes at a time so as not to flood YouTube with all of our backlogged episodes. So if you want to do kind of like a fun, like rewatch slash slash re-listen of, uh, of our show, this is a pretty good opportunity to do it if, if you want to subscribe to our YouTube. Yeah, you'll get, yeah. Uh, you'll get what, three episodes a week we're putting out? Yeah. Currently, yeah. For a while, right? Because we were really behind. We, just for comparison, so this is episode 114. I think we just put up episode 42, The Twelve Screams of Christmas. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we're, this is, so this is still back in the Dom era, uh, yep. but it's a, it's, it's a nice way to, to re-listen back into it. Yeah, it's a lot of episodes, so go check that out. It's uh, youtube.com slash... GooseBudsPod. 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 Uh, you can also uh, check out bonus episodes of the show and support the show by going to patreon.com slash GooseBuds. Uh, we also get access to our Discord. You can vote sometimes on what books we're going to read uh, and join a pretty, pretty rad community. Yeah, our um, Discord is always popping off with some discussion about Goosebumps or about the show, uh, our show, that is, or uh, yeah. just video games, movies. Literally, it's very active. A lot of horror community. movie discussion. Yeah, a lot, a lot of horror. Yes, 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 yes. Fair amount, yeah. And uh, I do want to say, uh, you know, we have that special episode of Goosebuds that comes out called Camp Goosebuds. It's only on our Patreon. And uh, that's where you'll hear stuff like Kevin's uh, diatribes about the dwarves in, Mag- in Magic the Gathering. So if you so want to hear stuff... I got like- it brewing. Yeah, I'm, I, got, I got some things to say. We, got- <laughs> we get a little too real on that show. <laughs> Again, that's patreon.com slash Goosebuds. Yeah! Check come, it out. Come hang out. It, it is it is a legitimately fun and nice community. So come hang out with us. Uh, we should we should do some reviews next time. I think this episode's gone a little bit longer than normal, so we'll let you all get back to the rest of your your lives in meat space. But thanks for listening, everyone. And Kevin and Paul, thank you for being my goosebuds friends. Same. Hey. Same. Scatter. Scatter. This episode of Goosebuds is brought to you by our wonderful Patreon supporters. They are in the book of names, starting with Stefan Jive Turkey Kuwabara, Hollis Hornbeak, Cameron Murphy Audio, Michael McDowell, David Cron, Josh Robertson, Mickey C, Nathan Dolezal, Kelly C, Mike Lanteri, Buddy Morrill, Ilkade, Mel Dipson, Jim Greaves, Zang Keith, Afshin. Deggy McStacky. Dango Twist. Brian Wells. Yes, Andrew, I, Zentacles, am just a pile of chill cephalot arms. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Ooh, I, go, I go to the Chili Octopus restaurant, though. That sounds chili, I thought it was chi- like Chili Cephalot. I was like, that sounds, oh. that sounds really good.
Low Belly Hate Me. Stealth Bates. Joseph Miranda. Patrick Reynolds. Scott Colopy. Robert Moon. Jason Crooker. John Keady. Clay Castle. Miguel Pardo. Christina Doling. Third Sergio. Gath. Matthew More Paranoia Shop. I'm so sorry. You're not going to get any. <laughs> Aww. Sniggy. Reinfected. Maddie. Isaac Arafin. Gregory D. Warren. Alan Saylor. Cody Redfield. Bradford Coulter. Aiden Alexander Dice. Judge R. Slinks. Justin Wagman. Chosen One. Cardboard Walk. Levi Than. My God. Up and Champ. Jonas Angman. I'm still blown away that it's Levi Than. <laughs> I know, right? Sorry, Jonas. I've walked all over yours. <laughs> Alicia Grafe. <laughs> Maloyster. Carl. Hey, Broccoli. Pause for a second. I think I gotta get something off my chest. I love Paul. Oh, I love you. The the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Elusive Koala. Yanni Markovina. Trent Davis. Joe. Brooke X. Beezus Christ. Christian Van Skeeber. Drew Applegate. Jonas Blotterman. Jeremy Lowe. Brian Hobgood. Zach Connor. Patreon underscore donator comma yo. Joe open quote spooky digital ghost close quote Tierney. <laughs> Tom Whittem. Paul Grasso. Trans rights. Taylor Dierks. Joe regular name Scott. Mm. Andrew Jadzak definitely has some questions about Lord Cornwallis. Are they just a big fan of corn? Do they support the mo? Yeah, it gets, it gets cut off. I wonder what M.O. means. A monarchy. Uh, Lord Cornwallis was oh, a general in the Revolutionary War on the side of the British. I had to do a report on him when I was in like third grade. Wow. wow. Andrew, yeah. wow. Andrew, I think you, we know what you said, but you could finish it up next month, please. What if he was going to ask, the like, do they support the Moloyster? Who knows? <laughs> we got to find out. We next all support Next episode Moloyster. of the Book of Names. <laughs> Speaking of, Lord Cornwallis. <laughs> Carson Birkin Bean. Murph EP. Trendy Moron. Vincent Modica. Luke Knoodles. Tap and Tickle Bean is your new best friend. Aw, Goon Cahoots. Hugh Bolin. Zam Bambino. Snash Chalmers. Sean Minogue. Wormtown Glenn. Wiggle it. John Pigeon Hat Barber. Chip Handsome. Matt McClellan. Nathan Remick. Divaldi. Alex Moon. The Robotic Dog. Sarah Kemp. Tanya Turtle. Chili Dish Gambino. Reed Steubendeek. Brett. Joey Evans. Carewise Gamgee. Adam, you goofed. One Jalapena. Uncle Cool Brother. Cameron Hansen. Muscles Bear. Keith Halcrow. Chris Chink will sleep wear erection Nelson. Timothy Misodoulakis. Clay McCarty. General Lee Depressing. Dom Sexy Ghost, a.k.a. Captain Sick. <laughs> Matthew Stevens. Parker Lee. Yeah, yeah. Ben Bohan. Ham underscore boat. More like Ken Burns pee with mom war documentary. Am I right, fellas? Every time you're coming out for Ken Burns. <laughs> I do love that one. That's very funny. Raymond Hernandez. Flemily. The Crow Fens. Matthew Sutton. Dan. Baz Gerritsen. Hey, Eric. It's going to be all right. You're doing a great job. Keep it up, Eric. Mm. Keep it up, you're doing it. Jeffrey Owen Cahey. When dragons rule. Ooh. Lee Wood. Kelsey Kinnaman. Jonas and Boldson. Calamity Carl. Germ Juice. Russell Kastberg. Xavier Jimenez. Brendan Arafin. Liam Neeson's Doe. Crispy Trichus. Scotty Pippen. 
Nick Johnson. Streak. Meet Virginia. Stephen Day. Dungeon Kappa. MC Hamster. Zach Ware. Lip Duck. Oh, got, got one past the censors. <laughs> Ryan Carroll. Alan G. Jessam. Jeremy Bowser. Tobias Clark. Michael Kupka. Julian Lamendia. Adam Muth. Megan McCormick Mason. Andre Villanueva. Ninja Breadman. Hood Lemon. Got little old moi, pretty French. Oh. Peanutburg level 69. Dr. Chocula. Jimmy Soul. Estamina, Lord of Paul's Pants. Boom Jumps. The Davy Boy? <laughs> Kenny M. Dr. Diarrhea, MD. Kieran McNamara. Diet Soda. Skelefella. SSJ Trogdor. Jackie Ledoux. Coleman Laguza. Lamb. A pair of Scots. Levi Kidder. Mike Spaghetti Jones. David Gray. Bryce Diori. Matthew Brittato. I am Cornholio. I need TP for my bunghole. Perfect. Reed Demption. Carb Son. Luke Human Z Allen. <laughs> what the hell just happened? I died. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Chris, we need help. Some chance bird friends could help us. Mm-hmm. I have one bird friend. Nicholas Maloney. David Lynch. Triple X. Brendan Fraser. 666. <laughs> what a power duo. <laughs> Midwest Indigo 13. Eric Horwitz. Tiffany Lee. Wagmar Wigmere. <laughs> Dakota Kemp. Dr. A. Drop Soup Man. Thomas Jansis. Lucretia McEvil. Elmerelma. Mutant Astronaut. Soggy Newspapers. Alec Johnson. Henry Torbert. Hannah Yeager-Bush. The Skotag. Adam Now. Kiwi or Fleur. <laughs> Beautiful. Bjarnder. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Serial Killer X. Burger's Wonderful World Official. <laughs> Gokenti. Logan Derby. Brad Schmelzer. Jover the Moon. Milk Punk. Skullatoran. Benjamin Luther. Shuddering Stefan. Mr. Misfire. And these names now will be... Uh, we're not at the new ones, but these ones are being cemented <laughs> with their second reading. Edgars, your American tongues got as close as you can to correct. Keep up the good words, Crashtus. <laughs> Thank you. I, 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 I was at the whole time wondering what the hell was going on until I got to the end. <laughs> I thought that was a threat. I got really scared. Your, your American tongues will be cut out. I know. I no. getting nervous. Your American tongues is my favorite Jimmy Eat World song. <laughs> and my favorite piebald song. Ooh. <laughs> Mr. Muffin. Mandy Nasty. Llama Lad. Dennis Wright. Jacob Rogers. And we welcome to the Book of Names, John Keller. And Cameron Ganseveld. Welcome, Mark Lopez. Oh, we know you, Greg Gervasi. Welcome. Welcome, Daryl Flynn. Looks like that's someone's famous. In like Daryl Flynn. That's what that's what it is. Welcome, Jesse. Get in here, Philip Reynolds. We're closing the book on you, Dakota Kipper. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so very much. The book is really creaky right now. We got a good WD-40 that thing. Move that book up, man. <laughs> Bye. Flypaper. The work of the people. 
Owned by the people. Supported by the people. Visit flypaper.fm.